and gentlemen, welcome back to the Hoops Journey, episode 64, with another triple OG, a legend in the uh, Canadian basketball scene, one of the best to ever come out of our country and our province. You may not recognize the married name, but if you do know the last name, Kleindienst, how'd I do? Very good. Yes. Perfect. You would know that uh, this young lady is a former NAIL American two-time, um, a Sport BC Athlete of the Year, a two-time Olympian, the list goes on and on, and we're so excited to have her on. And we have no other than Miss Teresa Gabriel. How are you? I am well, thank you very much, and thank you very much for having me. Yeah, Good no, it's here. a pleasure. Like we told you before, it is on our, you know, one of our goals is to get more and more females on the show um, because, you know, it's what should happen, and there's so many great stories out there. We've really enjoyed the uh, the women that we've had on the show, so um, we're thrilled to get you, and we know your story, and, and, and looking forward to other people getting to know more about you and, and uh, how your career went and what basketball meant to you, so... We were kind of joking a little bit about your social life and uh, life during a <laughs> pandemic and, you know, your your husband being a principal now and kind of that wrapping up. So how's life for the family these days and um, how did the last sort of 12, 14 months go for you personally and for your it's, family? Yeah, it's been a long year. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I've been a stay-at-home mom with a two and four-year-old for a year. So um, the four-year-old we did have in preschool the year before, but we decided to keep him home this year just because of COVID. Okay. And my husband being a principal, it's, uh, you know, he has long hours and it's been a stressful year for him with mm-hmm. COVID too. It's nice that things are finally getting better and like yeah. slowly going back to normal. Yeah. Well, you're looking well. You're not much younger than I am. And I would say if we took a snapshot of us, <laughs> people wouldn't be able to guess how many years apart we are. So good for you and your family. And, and um, you know, I know people in education, it was a really long year. And for you, you know, dealing with your two little ones all day and then he comes home from a long day and you're like here you go you know it's just that I think it was a challenge for a lot of us I mean in the end sort of first world problems but when it's our reality it can be tiring right and and like you said to have things sort of just there's a little bit of a breath of fresh air sort of stepping forward and I think everybody's kind of ready to keep moving forward with that yeah yeah, for sure. It's nice to have him home now and actually be able to get out and go for runs and exercise a little bit. Yeah. Here you go. You have the kids right now. I yeah. need some, like, mental yes. release. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just make sure you come back from the run, right? Don't just keep well, going. Well, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get right into it here. Tell, tell us about um, you as a young person, you know, how you grew up. How basketball sort of really started to come into your life. Your name, you don't know, but your name has been mentioned um, a few times in this show. And, uh, you know, you're someone who is a little bit behind me in in terms of years of my career, but definitely knew who you were and what you were like and and followed your story. So, how did basketball sort of start to come into your life and and change things for you? Yeah, I think um, as a very, very, very young athlete, I did everything. I think most young athletes do. I played soccer, I played softball, I you know, played tennis competitively and organized. I did um, soccer and baseball. And at about grade seven, I guess, I was the only female playing in our soccer league. And it, I played on a rep team, a travel team, and it got to the age where I'm from Mission and it's a small town. And we didn't have a girls team for that age group, for 12-year-old girls. So... That's why I was playing with boys. But if I wanted to continue with soccer, I would have had to have been playing with 16-year-old girls. And being 12, my parents didn't want me doing that just because of the social aspect of it. So long story short, I ended up quitting uh, my soccer career. So that was done. And at about grade five, I started playing basketball. And once again, we didn't have enough girls in our school to play with all the girls. So it was a mixed boys and girls team. And um, that was kind of where it all all started from. So it was never, we never had enough girls in our city to play (laughs) one sport with just all girls, it seemed like. There was, it always had to be mixed. I was always constantly playing with boys too, Mm -hmm. until I reached high school. Which was probably good and bad, hey? Like some days were awkward, but also looking back, you know, a different competitiveness and sort of edge as a a young age, you're like, whoa. And then kind of maybe even developing this little, all right, I really going to go out there and prove myself, you know? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And I, and I grew up with, um, I was the youngest of four. I had two older brothers and an older sister. Okay, well, so I do think it. that 
Yeah. <laughs> I know in Kim's interview, she was, her sister was saying, oh, you, she wanted to do a statistic analysis on how many Olympic athletes have older siblings. And mm -hmm. I think that's so true. Like you get pushed by your older siblings. I can't remember how many times I was the little tag along with my brother and he's three years older than me. And I ended up playing through high school up an age group, age group. Mm -hmm. And so in grade nine, grade eight and nine, I was playing with the senior team. And those were his friends that I was playing with. Like he was in grade 12, I was in grade nine. So yeah. I was playing with, you know, his girlfriends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that thing. So, um, You're cramping my style, kid. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. But he was, he was really good. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't have changed anything. It, it to he totally pushed me to become a better player. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as many tennis balls as I got fired at me, it was maybe improved <laughs> my agility and stuff, right? Like, yeah. Love it. Wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. <laughs> also funny to think too about mission being somewhere where you could barely feel the team of one gender, you know, when you think about what mission is now and the development and stuff, yeah. you know, everything's been pushed out that way, but uh, kind of a unique opportunity and, and thing for you. So, you know, you're on the senior team at grade eight and nine. What's that like for someone? I mean, were you, where did you get that confidence inside yourself to, to know that you belonged? I think it was a little intimidating at first. But um, they were very welcoming. Obviously, I had Bruce Langford as a high school coach throughout. Uh, Mike Miller early on in my early days in high school and then Bruce. And, you know, they had, it wasn't just the grade 8 team, the grade 9 team, you know, the junior team, the senior team kind of thing. It was a program. Mm -hmm. And they developed the program. It wasn't, you know, individual teams. So, you know, they wanted to make each individual player better and do what was best for the program, not the teams necessarily. It was an amazing experience and I ended up playing with, I don't know if, you know, Joby McKenzie, who ended up going to SFU. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I kind of followed her path, I guess. guess we went to the same high school and then ended up at university together, too. So it was kind of neat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very unique. Joby was a legit baller. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. and cool, you know, for, for someone like your coaches, like Mike that you said, and, and Bruce, to just recognize something in you and allow you that opportunity and, and be fair about it. I know, you know, coaching a high school program ourselves here, when the conversation comes about, you know, pulling a player up, it's never really, it's not about wins and losses, about what, what's best for the individual, right? And yeah. I think a lot of cases, sometimes that goes sideways for people and maybe it, it hurts their development. Um, but for you, it sounds like you had great mentorship and, and trusted your coaches a lot and, and great teammates, which is huge. Um, when did you really feel like you, you belong though? I mean, you said is intimidating. Um, was it somewhere through grade eight or, you know, and, and you mentioned already too, with your family being the social side of things, how did that feel? Or was it the connection with your brother that made things a little bit easier? It probably did make things a little bit easier because I mean, he would have his friends over to the house and they were my teammates too. So and from that sense, it made it feel more comfortable, I guess. Um, but I trained with Joby, like, outside of, like, our practices. I would We would do, like, core workouts and stuff in our front yard. And she was very good at mentoring me and taking me, you know, aside and helping me with things that way. I remember her when, like, she was at SFU, she would come back and she would help me. And maybe that was part of, like, the recruiting tool to get me out there else. And it was probably, like you know, go work out with her. She was from Mission. I'm from Mission kind of thing. But um, <laughs> she was a great mentor for me, for sure. Cool. Awesome. And talk about your teams, you know, the success that you had and, and what the high school basketball scene was like for you and your personal experience there. I know, I don't know if you've had a chance to make it to like the LEC and see the product that's put there yet, or you kind of... I haven't. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty crazy from when we were shooting on the peach baskets. Um, oh, I can imagine. <laughs> but talk about that. I mean, you know, interviewing Kim at the same thing, right? Like the, when you think about the basketball mind in Bruce that you were able to see at the high school level, it's just crazy. And and her talking about the intensity of those practices and how, you know, the, the demands on you all. But when you think too, that probably is what got the ball rolling to into the success that happened to you, maybe not even in high school, but later on. Oh, for sure. I think mm -hmm. at a young age, you know, he just instilled all those qualities in a young athlete that are going to carry you further in life. And not even necessarily in sport, but in life, you know, how to work hard and how to be dedicated and motivated and determined and all those kinds of things. In grade nine, we ended up, we played double A and we ended up winning provincials. And then in grade 10, 
we we played junior like I the group that I was playing with as a senior team when I was in grade nine they all obviously all graduated and we didn't have a senior team okay when I was in grade 10 so I played on the junior team with my age group and we finished second in the province and then my grade 11 and 12 year we finished fifth both times Mm -hmm. so we did fairly well I was the first grad class through Heritage Park. Like I went to Hatsik Secondary my first four years and then um, Heritage Park opened up and the whole basketball team managed to move over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's a little bit of controversy over that one, but anyways, yeah. we were, we ended up managing to go over there as a team and yeah, it was great. I mean, we finished fifth in the province and we didn't have like the most skilled team, I would say. I think, you know, the, the Kim Smiths and the Julia Wilsons and that group that came kind of, a couple of years after us, Danny Langford, Bruce's daughter was there and they had definitely a stellar role after kind of I left, obviously. Yeah. Like they won like three parental championships or something. Yeah. yeah. So. But I think, you know, cool upon reflection to be able to get a team to fifth. I mean, that's, you know, I tell our teams when we do actually qualify for the BCs is like there's hundreds of teams that would just be honored to make it right and so a young program and sort of you know not to make you feel old but just kind of (laughs) laying the groundwork for for heritage right and seeing what it became after that because Kim did mention you as a mentor and you know when you came back it was you know you were her Joby right I was like oh my gosh she's here for an open run or you know and using any opportunity she could to kind of watch you and shadow you so those are cool things right and then you see what those young women are able to develop and turn themselves into as well exactly at what point in your brain are you thinking, I'm loving this, I'm dedicated to it, you're being pretty humble so far early on here. I'm just guessing that there were lots of 6 a.m. mornings, like, workouts, oh, and, you know, and when did you know it was something that you really wanted to pursue at the next level? Oh, I don't think there was ever, like, a given, like, day or time, but yeah. <laughs> I just loved to be in the gym. Like, I was a gym rat, and we were in the gym, I think, 6, 6.30 every day, and we would train after school for you know obviously a couple hours and it's kind of funny when I went to Heritage Park I loved playing volleyball and I was a multi-sport athlete like I didn't just want to do one sport I wanted to do them all but I knew once you get to grade 10 11 12 you know you kind of have to cut back on something you can't be perfect at everything right yeah of course so I actually said to Bruce I don't like I wanted to play volleyball in my grade 12 year and he was a basketball coach (laughs) he coached the volleyball team oh no way and we were like we were like so close to making provincials. And obviously if you make provincials as a volleyball team, it might cut into the basketball season. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Bruce, for coaching my volleyball team or our volleyball team. And I guess you're glad that we didn't make provincials. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, it was very nice of him to coach a team. And I, I just love to be to play volleyball, right? So I, a bunch of the basketball players, he probably tr- turned the training of the volleyball practices into, uh, you know, don't run as much as a volleyball team, right? Right. But in basketball, you run more. So he probably made us do a few more lines than we normally would have as a volleyball, different volleyball coach would have. Yeah, I was going to want, I was going to ask if you ever, did he just tell you to start dribbling the volleyballs at practice no, or anything? No, no. <laughs> He's competitive though. Like I think yeah. he was almost a little disappointed when we didn't qualify and we didn't make it. Yeah, yeah. Because we were the basketball school and he was the basketball coach. So right. But still been playing volleyball. <laughs> yeah, but crazy too when you think about the amount of hours that he put in with basketball alone and still looking around and saying, okay, well, I don't know how many girls on the volleyball team played basketball, but just still an opportunity for them. And there was no coach and for someone to step in and be sort of selfless like that. I think it says a lot about him as a person because could easily just said, well, we don't need a volleyball program and then basketball, we can, we can just play basketball even earlier. Right. But yeah, I think that says a lot in terms of how people just so many great people in our province and, and, country willing to give up time so that others have a great experience you know what I mean yeah for sure he was he was a great guy well he's a great guy and Mm. I mean he put so much time into time in the gym with us and for us and opening the gym like I yeah I can't imagine if that if we wouldn't have been able to go into the gym and what you know what would you have been doing I don't know Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what where life would have taken taken some of the people that were on that team yeah good reflection So this is your chance to tell the truth. This is a safe space, okay? Um, I don't know who's going to listen to this show. Hopefully Uh lots of people. But uh, did anyone else have a chance or was it all SFU, all Allison? Like what, 
was there ever was there ever anything else? Not really, no. Yeah. No, I didn't even no. I didn't even write my SATs mm. because I knew I wanted to go to SFU. There was definitely, you know, conversations with coaches from down south. I think my dad probably talked to the New Mexico coach more than I did. And whenever the phone would ring in the evening, it was like, I'm in the bathtub. <laughs> I'm having a bath. I'm busy. <laughs> I'm not home. <laughs> Same conversation, you know, like, what are you going to talk about? Like, you just talked to me last week. I don't even really know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's so. We had Casey Archibald on a couple episodes ago. I don't know if you know that name. He played at UBC yeah. and then yeah. helped coach and then just talked about the same thing. Like the recruiting that we got was an awkward phone call a Sunday night. We had to, you know, we're like 17 years old. We can barely hold a conversation that's appropriate yeah. you know for five minutes yeah. and it's like how was your yeah. week Teresa and you're like oh my gosh yeah. as opposed to now it's just a text message you know or you don't even have to talk yeah. to that person and yeah that's true I never even thought of that yeah he brought that up and I had yeah. a good chuckle because I didn't think about it like that either but he said man trying to recruit was just a nightmare because you just these awkward phone calls every week about absolutely yeah. nothing with someone you yeah. don't even really know yet so yeah and that's then the, funny. the mail that you get like Happy birthday, happy Easter, Merry Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Don't even really know you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so talk about Allison and what, what was the draw? Was it because, you know, Joby set set the groundwork? Was it all you knew? I mean, I remember I grew up in Coquitlam. I remember my dad driving me up and to watch some of those amazing teams with, I believe it was Andrea Schneider and them and just kind of yeah. those legendary teams. I mean, SFU women's basketball was amazing. But were you part of like Center for Performance or when did you connect with her and or was it not until university? You know what? Um, Her husband actually was a teacher at my high school. No way. Yeah. So there was a bit of a connection there. But from like grade seven, I remember Mike and Allison coming to like my grade seven graduation. And obviously Mike was a teacher when I got into grade eight. So he knew my family. Like he knew my older brother who was like six years older than I am and Mm -hmm. he knew like he knew all my siblings he taught them all throughout he taught my my other brother that's three years older than me at UFV he played basketball too a little bit and um it just felt like the right fit I mean obviously I had watched SFU all through you know my development went up to watch their games and saw the Andrea Schneiders and the Kim McLeods and then Joby went up there and it just it felt like a natural fit you also seem like a very um, stoic person, right? I mean, you were kind of around SFU when I was still at Langara and then moving on. But like, you know, we're all very sort of just, you seem more introverted than others, right? Is that, would yeah. that be fair to yeah. say? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So sure. I guess that yeah. even if you wanted to, the recruiting process would have been super uncomfortable. Like you said, you're already dumping yeah. phone calls off on your yeah. dad and saying, all right, dad, time for you to step in here, right? So yeah. when you have yeah. some something that you're confident in in a program like Simon Fraser Women, where you get to see it and you're like, wow, I can excel here and we have a chance to win. And, yeah. d- and was, they played in the state. I was going like to say, yeah, getting that was American my competition, getting mm-hmm. a Canadian education. Mm-hmm. And it was close to home too. Like I, I didn't really want to go far away from home. Like, you know, my parents brought me my meals on the weekends when they would come up to games and I could go home whenever I wanted to yeah. and get a home cooked meal and you yeah. know, do your laundry or whatever it was. Right. Yeah. So. No, it makes a difference for sure. And so you step on campus there. How was it right from the get-go as, as a freshman? Um, was it pretty eye-opening? You know, you had great success. We've already talked about, you know, the teams that you were able to play on. I'd like to hear a few stories or some great games or something. But, um, you know, we're always interested to know when that first practice happens for people, how, how did it feel? Not that you probably remember the exact day, but I'm sure there's some no, feelings and I, emotions. Yeah, I just remember I had stress fractures in my legs ah. um, when I started at SFU. And I've always had like issues with my shin splints and whatever. So I didn't even do training camp. And it was pro- wasn't probably until like our first game I was, you know, having to do the gradual build up so you can get back on the court kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And once I could finally practice, I was limited, obviously. But it was just like, oh, I can play again. Because it was, you know, you sit out for what was it, two months or something like that. And then you have to slowly build back. But it was just relieving because going into your freshman year and obviously all you want to do is play and compete right and you know prove yourself um but it was just exciting I remember playing UBC and and my minutes were limited but it was just awesome to get on the court finally after you know not being able to go through a training camp and and whatnot but it's definitely a big transition going to university I mean you 
you have to do your own laundry. You're not at home. Your mom's not there to cook your meals anymore and do all that stuff. Your mom or your dad or whoever's doing that for you when you're at home. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a big transition. Mm-hmm. I lo- used to love those UBC SFU rivalry. It was the Buchanan Cup. Like, that was fun, right? They need to bring that back. It was, it was such do. a good time. And, yeah, those were amazing. Um, such such good times. Yeah, it'd be fun to see those return. I, I get that there's, you know, now that they're kind of NC2A sort of thing or whatever. But yeah. if anyone's listening out there, it would be awesome to have it's those. It's a cross-town people. rival. It's a yeah. good cross-town rival. Or even UVic. Like, mm-hmm. Do a little. There's lots of teams now, though. I guess UFE you could throw in there. Trinity. I mean, mm-hmm. but UBC and SFU was always the crosstown rival, right? Absolutely. It was, it was those those two teams going head to head, and and obviously Western Washington too. Those are always the big uh, battle games. We always had lots of people out, and and uh, you know the stands were always packed, and you could hear the football players going crazy <laughs> and saying in the inappropriate things coming from the stands and <laughs> it was always it was always exciting and yeah it got your blood going when you and then the excitement and then the, during those games for sure did you ever you know when you're quitting soccer did you ever imagine walking across the stage and being you know considered an NAI all, all-american like that's a pretty amazing you know feat and again you're being you're a pretty humble person but at some point you had to have thought to yourself wow um, and I know the the beautiful thing about basketball too is individual accolades means that you had great teammates and coaching. Like it's not a, it's yeah. not a sport where you can excel without that. I don't think. I know what your thoughts are yeah. on that, but um, it was pretty cool. You had a pretty storied career and end up in the Hall of Fame. Talk about some of those ups and downs. You made you made some pretty deep runs and some cool things happened. Yeah, I think. I mean, injury wise, ups and downs for me. I had had issues with my shins going going through high school. Yeah, there were definitely some ups and downs. I think my Freshman year, we made it to NAI Final Four. What year is that? Um, my oh gosh, ninety eight. Yeah, ninety seven, ninety eight. Okay. Ninety seven, ninety eight. Mm-hmm. And then did we finish in the final the year after? I believe. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the years exactly there, but one of the years we made Final Four. One of the years was the was the final, and I mean to be able to go down in the states, the the national championship was in Tennessee. And it was just a packed stadium. It wasn't like a huge stadium, but the crowds and and the way you got treated down there, it was, you know, the the southern kind of hospitality and everybody was so kind to you. And and um, it was just a great atmosphere to be in playing down down in Tennessee and at the national championships. And um, yeah, my teammates, obviously, my accolades I got, I wouldn't have got without having some great support and some great teammates to be surrounded with. I think all throughout my career, I, I can say that like, great people and I think that stems too from the great coaches I had you're not going to have great teammates if you don't have great coaches who are who are mentoring you and who are you know kind of setting the groundwork and the framework for success I guess. When you went down to those national championships was there ever did you get a sense of ah they're just a Canadian team you know we got this or or was it just because you know everybody was scouted and they'd seen you all play that they knew all right we better have our a game or else it's going to be you know we're going to be down quick yeah i think simon fraser was pretty like people knew who we were when we mm-hmm. went down there that was hard um, for you to say hey yeah yeah <laughs> it's okay it's okay <laughs> people people knew who simon fraser was when we came down we were the little canadian team right and they, they obviously all brought their A-game for us, too, because we were the only Canadian team, and obviously they had something to prove against the little Canadian team. But back at them, we had something to prove. We were the little Canadian team. So we always brought our best when we went down there to play, and we had some rivals for sure. But it was, yeah, it was so much fun. And also a fun little narrative to just, you know, sometimes as an athlete you get to create a narrative that maybe isn't really true, but you can extend the truth on it. So you're like, wow, they don't respect us. And like, let's go, you know what I mean? And kind of make it bigger than it is to get you even more fiery yeah, and competitive, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. And I think also too, it was, we were in Tennessee and we were like the SFU clan. Mm-hmm. So when they heard we were the clan, it was like, Ooh, the clan. Yeah. like, yeah, I think the name's actually changing now. It is. Or I don't know what it is. Yeah. It is. Yes. Which is the nice. And the colors and stuff. So yeah. You've talked talked about Mike a little bit. Talk about your connection with Allison. I mean, it's anyone that knows you knows that you two are, you know, we're like glue for a lot of years. And how did it come about? Was there some hard times? Was it a natural fit? 
Was it somewhere in between? And what was it about you that made you both click um, so well? Obviously, you're the head of the beast, right? And you need, <laughs> you know, your head of the beast as the point guard when they're able to score, distribute, be a leader, and, and also by example leader too. I think that helps. But talk about your relationship with her. It's something that I'm super selfishly uh, interested to know about, more about because, um, yeah. you know, I haven't had the chance to work with Allison or anything like that. So just just super keen to know. I think in high school, she would come watch a lot of games, obviously. She was recruiting me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so a lot of people actually thought she was my mom at, at times. Like she would be <laughs> at the games and, you know, I would talk to her and whatever. I guess it was the connection, the relationship that we had. People would come up to me, oh, is that your daughter playing? Or is that yeah. your mom in the stands or whatever? And also, same with Mike. I mean, he was always at the school, right? Like mm-hmm. he was one of my teachers and he had taught all my siblings going through. I know like on the court... We, Allison was a point guard, obviously, and a you know, amazing coach. And when I would call a play on the floor, I would, you know, you do the huddle or whatever with your team at a free throw. And I would say, this is what we're running the next time down the floor kind of thing. And then as soon as we would break up from the huddle, Al- Allison would say, Teresa, this is run this next down, down the floor. And that was like the play that I just called, right? So it's like scary. You know, we had that connection, like that we were thinking along the same lines, right? That's cool. So, and that just grew and flourished and developed. And, you know, I mean, at some point, did you feel like she just gave you the keys? Um, was there that much oh, trust? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And mm-hmm. especially with national team, I think, I know you're so much that more mature at that age as an athlete. And, um, you know, you, you, you know how to train and you know how all the players at that level, at, at the national team level, they're good players. And there's like a something that sets apart those like elite elite players being able to do the the mental part of the game and the physical physical part of the game and i think when those two parts come together it's when you you've reached like your peak as an athlete right Mm -hmm. and i think once i probably hit i don't know 23 24 25 somewhere in there i was you know you kind of you're kind of reaching your prime and i think she just i'm not gonna say she let me do what i want to do but we had that mutual respect for one another that you know, she knew I had, knew how to train and I had the mental part of my game and she just supported that and yeah, was a great coach for me and, and a great mentor. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Cause I mean, lots of people have played this, this great game and not had that relationship. They've had great, great connections, but uh, you know, I think it's funny how things just fall in place, right? You make a choice. You could have picked many different places to go. You decide SFU. And then you have that connection and it just builds and builds, right? Do you remember the first time that you put that Canadian jersey on and how that felt or that you heard that you had made a team to represent Canada? Um, We've had lots of people that have played for their country and it just seems like such a special thing and and something that nobody has ever really taken for granted or would take for granted, for sure. No, I can't remember exactly the first time, but I I can say that I just remember like the first few times like traveling with national team and like yeah, putting on the jersey, it's like you're taking all these pictures, right? And you want to you wanna remember it. And, you know, I have pictures. I have, like, photo albums for my first, like, I don't know, maybe three years on the national team. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then you, like, you travel so much and you're, like, constantly taking pictures. There comes a point in time where it's like, okay, no more pictures. You're just going to, like, enjoy the moment, right? Like, be in the moment and take it all in that way. Because, you know, the pictures, you have the pictures in your mind, right? You'll yeah. always... Always remember that, but if you're not like living in the moment and enjoying that moment, then yeah, that was well said. It's true, though. It's true. It's and also like you have that photo, and you're like, oh, you know, this is something, and you try to explain that photo to family, friends, you know, someone who wasn't there. You're never going to give it justice to what it made you feel inside, right? And I, I no. think in 2021, where we're at, you know, it. I always notice too, like when I'm at my, with my son at the lake or whatever and different things, it's like instantly the phone comes out and all these photos and, yeah. and, and then I'll catch myself too and I'm going, what am I going to do with these damn photos? Like, and then I go yeah. cannonball on the lake and, you know, run yeah. around with them, right? As opposed to, no, it's such a very, very good point because those are your memories. It's nice to have memories. some of the pictures. I'm mm-hmm. not going to say it's not, but it's yes. like you have to live in the moment and put the phones away and put the cameras away mm-hmm. every once in a while and just enjoy that time, right? Mm-hmm. Other than your work ethic... You know, and, and everything and all the time that you put in. I'm just interested to know about your perspective as a point guard. Was it a natural position for you? Did you always feel like, yeah, okay, you're laughing. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I 
think given my height, it had yeah, to you didn't have a choice. Position. Yeah, <laughs> you'd be a libero if you played volleyball, right? Yeah. Well, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Or I would have maybe should have stuck with soccer. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I would argue I that. Think, but <laughs> yeah, I think just given my height and given the skill set that I developed, and obviously I'm not a super outspoken, loud, vocal person, mm-hmm. um, but I kind of grew to be a little bit more like that you kind of have to be being a point guard obviously so Mm -hmm. that was something what part of my game that I definitely had to work on for sure being more vocal and um, being more outspoken and communicating more with teammates and coaches and all that kind of stuff yeah and the media piece too I mean I hated doing interviews I was actually thinking about it in the car today yeah I was wondering it was like one word answers yeah like the first little bit and like we had to work on that definitely at SFU for sure that was Mm -hmm. like the big thing you're like a hockey obviously player. they want to yeah they, obviously yeah. they want to interview you know the person that's having success and whatnot so yeah but i hated doing them i hated them <laughs> well listen to you now you've come you've come a long way you're natural so <laughs> i won't go that far but <laughs> <laughs> and that's great to hear too i i teach a leadership class here for our grade 12s at the school and yeah. you know the first thing that we talk about after you know personal values is what do you view as a leader and i think especially with young people they think it has to be the loudest, most boisterous, kind of funniest, attractive, whatever it is, right? And I think, you know, and and then they said, you know, do you think leaders can be developed? And it's like, absolutely. And it changes the conversation. I think it's just more of once we get more comfortable in our skin and our role, wherever we are in life. um, But I think it's important for people to hear that, yeah, you can can grow and develop and and work on your leadership skills all the time. And you don't have to be that that loud, boisterous person, right? You can be someone with your demeanor and then, yeah. pick your spots because you know someone like you if I'm on your team knowing what you're like and then you come over and you grab my jersey and you're like Mitchell man come on you got to set that screen or let me know and I'm yeah. like whoa 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 like it's even even more almost when someone like you yeah. speaks as opposed to a loud mouth like me who's constantly yapping right so well that's what everybody always said you know it's like when I spoke I was you know a person of few words but mm-hmm. when I spoke it was like everybody listened and it was something that was meaningful and for sure said it needed to be heard right so. yeah I think that way I was respected. Yeah, absolutely. We want to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Parkside Brewery. Located in the heart of Port Moody on Brewers Row, Parkside offers an amazing atmosphere with one of the best summer patios around. If you can't make it to the brewery located at 2731 Murray Street, then hit any government retail store and try the Don Pilsner, the Dusk Pale Ale, or my favorite, the Dreamboat Hazy IPA. A Hoops Journey promises that the beer at Parkside is much, much, much better than the owner, Sam Payne's streaky jump shot. We hope to see you Parkside. After a brief hiatus, Good Lad Clothing has returned, but under a new location, 3283 Main Street is where they can be found. Name drop A Hoops Journey to get 10% off, any clothing items in store. The store no longer offers barber, but you can find the best retail around. Thanks to our sponsor, Good Lad Clothing, and we hope to see you there. The Olympic experience, you know, before, you know, you played a couple of years of pro, which we'll talk about later, but just, you know, how was that? I It just, every time I get a chance to watch the Olympics. I see an opening ceremonies. I can't help but think, man, that must be one of the funnest experiences. Now I say that sometimes and the athlete will say, well, actually we started competition and weren't able to go or, you know, I'm like, oops, but the overall, and, and I'm super intrigued and I've read some stories, but like, there's a bit of gap of time for you here and you announce in a retirement. And I find that so you're a killer. You're a cold-blooded killer. There's no way. How do you how do you have that block of time and still be able to make an Olympic team like that? It was that's, a long twelve yeah. years. So we <laughs> yeah we qualified for the Olympics in 2000. And how did that and... feel? I mean, from a from a women's basketball perspective, where you know, I mean, not to say that the men had been doing much up until then either, right? And then they did, but just like you know, it's we talked before the show as well. I think it's so awesome to see where Canada basketball is going and then the women that are representing our country and what they're willing to stand up for and yeah. use their platforms is so cool. It must make you a little bit warm and fuzzy though to know that like again, heritage kind of off the ground, 
women's national yeah. team kind of starts to roll. And I know you will give yourself zero credit, but you're part, you're part of that. You're part of that system and, and it's important yeah. to recognize. So go ahead. Yeah. Talk I know, about that. I kind of feel like, you know, I was at Heritage Park. We didn't win a provincial championship there. And it was like, when I left, it was like, they won three. And then at SFU, my last year, we won a national championship. Yeah. And then it continued to happen. Like they won several at SFU. Mm-hmm. And then national team, we qualified for the Olympics in 2000. And I was very young. I was very, you know, naive. And this was all new to me. And I was, I was a leader as a point guard, but I was the youngest on the team. And I think I was the youngest player, like youngest person in a team sport at the Olympics. Crazy. I think I was only, what was I, 18 or 19. So from that standpoint, I was very young. And then for 12 years, we didn't qualify. We missed it in 2004, 2008. And then finally in 2012, we qualified again. And it was like, I don't know, it was amazing, but it was also like the sense of just like relief, like yeah. we finally did it. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I was going to be retiring after mm-hmm. those Olympics. Like my body was done and I knew that was kind of the last kick of the can. Like we didn't qualify in 2004, 2008. I'm like, how many more quadrennials can I keep going here and and not having a big outcome some success with qualifying for the olympics so yeah it was just and the way we qualified we qualified in turkey we got the last spot on canada day it was just like it was better than going to the olympics the celebration and just like the relief and sense of pride and all that that came with it again like no photo can ever you know, recreate that moment for you other than what you feel inside, right? Which is so cool. No. Um, yeah. So that's uh, awesome. I was going to say, you know, you, you, there's that pressure of those two years in between or, well, did, what did you call them? Quad- Quadrennial. Yeah. Like a, the, like a four, yeah. Yeah. four year. Two yeah. of those in between and then you're like, okay, I, how long can I hold up here for, right? So it's like, you know, at the end there's a, there's going to be an end at some point. So try not to add pressure to yourself, but, it, you know, it's hard not to think about it in the back of your mind right and also funny when we're young and naive thinking yeah we made the olympics you know you know it'll just keep rolling like this and then you don't make it it i'll make the next one yeah keep rolling (laughs) your body keeps rolling but you don't you're not guaranteed that every four years Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and to, to put in the time and the dedication and to wait another four years like four years is a long time of your life to give up and like you know your biological clock is ticking i was married we wanted to have kids yeah and you know, it's harder to do, obviously, as a female, right? So yep. um, I knew that was going to be my last Olympics and my last kick of the can. And it was just a storybook ending for me, really. Yeah, that's cool. And it's been great to see um, that what, what came from Kim sort of oh, stating so her awesome. thing. And yeah, that was awesome to see the response by so many different people. And, and yeah. I know I had just media people here saying, if you get a chance, you know, we'll be happy to do like a national story on her. And just so many people yeah. that were just like, this is wrong, this is wrong. And for her to fight yeah. and then feel the support, because she's not a big, like yourself, she's not a big like social media person. No. You know, she just no. barely knows how to use she's Instagram. She's way better at it than I am. Though. Yeah, so that's, <laughs> so that's saying a lot based on what I've seen. But uh <laughs> When you see, you know, and, and it's cool to see that development. We still got work to do. We still have so much more work to do up for the women, but um, it is important to acknowledge that it's going in the right direction. And you sense that, right? I mean, those years where you were, you probably were like, does anyone even know that we're trying to make an Olympics here? Or we did make the yeah. Olympics, you know? Yeah, the men's team, I mean, obviously, and they still do. They still get more coverage. But yeah, what Kim did to, to put that out there and the support that she got for it was it was awesome. I remember one morning, have the TV on, I'm playing with the kids and whatever, and the show The View with like Whoopi Goldberg and oh, I don't yeah. even know who else is on it. No way. Um, it came on The View. Wow. Like this Kim story. Yeah. And it, it showed that it was going to come on like in a minute. And I was like, oh my God, she's going to be on The View. Like her story's yeah. on The View. This is cool. Yeah. So they were talking about like working moms. It wasn't, it was her story, but it was like one working moms. And right. And I was like, that's really, that's cool. That is cool. And no wonder she didn't return my message. Yet. <laughs> she got the <laughs> She view. was a little stressed. Yeah, no, I could. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Just slightly, hey? Yeah. Just slightly. Yeah. All that. I know. We were trying to trying to get together she was in mission like right before she left for japan and i was texting her we we're trying to get together on this she left on the monday and i was like if you have time i was like don't worry about it if you don't and then i woke up the next morning and monday morning and she was on the way to the airport she's like sorry we can't get together i know how stressed and busy she was i mean you have a, a newborn ish baby all of yeah. and 
trying to deal with everything and all the COVID testing they had to do and whatnot. Chaos. But yeah, I'm super happy for her that she, everything worked out well and that hopefully the Olympics works out well. Yeah. I know I saw a not so good report this morning, but hopefully it, yeah. uh, hopefully things turn around and I think the, you know, if the women get the opportunity, they'll make a good run. So but um, did you hear we have well, a basketball player as a flag bearer? I did. I was talking with our Miranda. senior girls coach downstairs. She was telling me, yeah, that is yeah. amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah, super cool. This is her, this will be her third Olympics. So same, same as Kim. That's yeah. cool. Three Olympics. That's Very wild. Cool. I mean, like you mentioned the amount of time. One thing I want to touch on before we kind of uh, move forward with some other stuff is I'm just interested to know, like p- playing pro around the time when you're starting to finish up your post-secondary career like talk about that experience a bit because it's not like like yeah or maybe don't talk about that experience uh no no one's going to see this uh, i didn't have very good pro experiences mm -hmm. but i just mean in terms Um, of just like how did you get your name out there like the challenge of kind of getting overseas it was something that was sort of happening you know and and just i'm just intrigued to know a little bit about that process we don't have to touch on maybe your uh, overall seasons or experiences if you don't want, but just how, how it ended up happening for you. I think I remember how I got hooked up with an agent. I think it might have been through Allison because she was in Oregon. I got hooked up with an agent and my first experience was in Italy. And I didn't, I wasn't overseas for long periods of time. I went to three different countries and it was only like half seasons for each because it was just like, well, anyways, my first experience in Italy, I have, okay, whoa, my dad like, was whoa, born. Oh, you can't just, what does that mean? Like it was a gong show? <laughs> It was a gong show. Yeah. My my dad was born in Germany, so I had my German passport yeah. so I could play as a non-foreigner. And I don't know if you know how the rules work and whatever, but so they didn't tell me the rule changes with foreigners and how many you were allowed on a team and how many non-foreigners you were allowed on a team. Anyways, long story short, they had this point guard from Brazil who they wanted on their team. She had been playing on their team for a while, but they brought me in as like security because they didn't know what the rules were going to be or whatever. Right. So I'm training with them. I'm over there in Italy for, I don't even know what it was, a couple of months. And then they found out that she can keep playing. So I got the boot. Right. And then the second half of that kind of season, I went and played in Spain with Michelle Hendry. Nice. And that was awesome. That was a, it was a good experience because I was playing with Michelle, who's obviously Canadian, and an Aussie who spoke English. And um, that was a great experience. And there was talk about me maybe going back, but then my agent got me an offer in Austria and it was another terrible experience. My coach was Russian and she was married to the president of the club and he was just a little, like, I don't want to say Hitler, but like he was Mm -hmm. just an evil little man. (laughs) And we, we would, we would be training, like running around the track in the snow and I'm like, this isn't basketball. <laughs> what? It was just, it was just bizarre. Yeah, you know, bizarre mm-hmm. things. And because I had my German passport, they had there was girls on the team from like Bosnia and I don't even know like Eastern European countries. And I'm pretty sure he was using, he would give me one of my passports, either my Canadian or my European one, and he would use my other one for like other players on the team to get them across. So at Christmas when I went home, I didn't even tell him that I wasn't coming back. I mailed him the keys back. Like my husband was over there with me when I was in Austria. And uh, I was like, we're just leaving. We're not saying anything. I took all my possessions and I mailed him the keys back and we didn't go back. And that was my experience overseas. It's a shady business, hey? It's a shady business. Yeah. Very shady. I've had lots of friends that have, you know, played overseas and, and many of them have like you know, the last quarter of the season, we didn't get paid or the owner just took off yeah. or, you know, like just yeah. wild things that are. It is wild. Yeah. yeah. You really and there's need... nothing you can like hold them accountable for. Cause mm-hmm. What are you going to do? There's lots of good. I will say there's lots of positive stories for anybody that's listening to this and thinks sure. it's all negative. It's not. There's mm-hmm. lots of great stories. And I think it's a lot better now than it was 15 years ago. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Yeah. At what point did you know? You talked to it a little bit about your just your body sort of starting to shut down and stuff. Was it just that sort of relief and making that final Olympics, knowing like, all right, this is the end. Like that was enough to just sort of push you to the edge to say, I, I'm I'm happy and I'm okay and content with walking away from the game. Is that what did it for you, or did you? Was it the uh, 
shin splints. There was de- <laughs> yeah, there was definitely, I actually had, my shin splints were, you know, somewhat through my ha- early half of my career. And then I ended up getting bad plantar fasciitis. Oh, God. And for the last three years, I think, I was getting cortisone shots so I could play. <laughs> so I kind of knew that my body was, you know, starting to fall apart. And we had to time the cortisone shots depending on when the competition was. And my training was, I couldn't, I don't know if you've ever had plantar fasciitis, but whenever you like change direction, it like, it hurts. Yeah, <laughs> It's painful. So I was literally, I could run in a straight line. I could run on a treadmill, but whenever I changed surface mm-hmm. or changed direction. So my court training was basically just shooting. Point guards don't need to change know, too much direction. Yeah, so right. Like basketball, there's no change of direction. Nah, you, sport, you should have been right? fine. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So it was super frustrating. And I was, I was probably the fittest I've ever been in at the end of my career because I was doing cardio like crazy and I could lift weights and I was all good. But the court part was, I couldn't do a lot of that. So I was shooting a lot, but I wasn't doing a lot of stuff where I was changing direction and working on my agility and that kind of stuff. Where are you at with that now? Like, does the body still give you some issues or is it not bad? I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go run on a trail. Um, Yeah. I, I can run around a track and I'm fine. I can, you know, do some stuff with the kids, but it's not like I would go and I haven't picked up a basketball on a court and played since I retired. And I've shot around a little bit here and there, but nothing, nothing crazy. And I have no desire. I was going to say, and you're done. good with that. Yeah. I'm yeah. good with that. I think there's something to be said for that. You know, it's, I remember playing men's league for a few years and then I was just like, what am I doing? I'm so like, I'm just over this. Right. And, and I think when yeah. it's such a big identity of who we are and yeah. for you to have that nice sort of. Yeah, my body's breaking down, but a nice way to go out, yeah. on a, you know, on a yeah. good note makes it that yeah. much easier. But then also it does take time for us to figure it out, right? And and yeah. a lot of us yeah. just walk away from the game. That's interesting for you. I mean, do you think, do you see yourself getting involved in coaching or anything? Or you just kind of see what the kids want to do and, or... I'll see what they yeah. want to do, I think. Yeah. I mean, my husband played football, so I'm hoping that they don't want to play football. I'm hoping they play basketball, but I'm pretty sure my kids are going to be short once again. So maybe soccer is a better option. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lots of money in golf and tennis. I don't know. They can do what they want. No pressure for anything. Yeah. Whatever makes them happy, I'm supportive of it. Love it. That's powerful. And I think it's hard. And I think for someone like yourself who's had such success to be able to just know when it's time says a lot about you and, you know, where you are mentally, which is huge, obviously part of athleticism, but athletics and also just life, right? Knowing when it's time. So good on you. Yeah. You ready for some fun questions before we let you go? I'm ready. Okay. Let's see. First one here. Again, all you national team people is always fit you got the fit bit on your wrist and you're probably like when's this guy gonna stop talking so i can sneak in a run before the family gets back no but, no i went for a bike ride this morning I'm perfect good. okay so if you do um get a chance to sneak in some chips what bag of chips is your go-to oh would you, first of all what do you think of kim's response <laughs> if I'm going to the store I'm probably not going to buy chips I would buy chocolate before chips okay but it's not like I don't eat chips right right now I'm liking Miss Vicky's sweet mesquite barbecue Ooh, they're crunchy they got a good flavor yeah is that but I I like the chocolate better I'm more on like the sweet fair is it kind of a purpley bag yeah 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 okay I just like to test myself and the new one I tried the Mm. dill pickle with a little bit of like they're Miss Vicky's yeah um Still pickle with a little bit of like hot yeah. pepper to them. I don't good. know what, what they're called, but okay. they're good. All right. Sidebar, what chocolate are you getting then? Oh, gosh. Is it's is been, it, is my it? son has a peanut okay. allergy. Oh. And so. You got to hide them in the garage or? No, like, no, we don't even keep them in the house. Yeah. I haven't had peanuts. Like, it's funny because we used to travel. Like the one thing that you would bring to when you go to like China or somewhere where you know the food isn't going to be spectacular is like a jar of peanut butter. Right. And now I have a kid who has a peanut allergy. <laughs> so, yeah, it's hard to find stuff that's peanut-free sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I don't know. Dark chocolate. I like dark chocolate okay. with, like, sea salt on it. Yeah, because, I mean, it instantly, yeah. you know, the fruit and nut bar, the O. Henry, Reese's Pieces, like, those are all out. They're all out. They're not options, which in the end is and probably O-Henry. good for you, though. Exactly. Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah. It's probably a good We do thing. the wow butter. Yeah. But. Not so my little guy, he's okay. going to kindergarten next year. We were visiting my brother and his kids are both elementary school. And so I was making like banana toast and I'm like, where's the peanut butter? And I pull this out. I'm like, 
also oh, this is what if this is what it is next year okay yep. right because yep. he's allowed to no at daycare but yeah next year it'll yep. be go time with that yeah yeah i know i'm a little bit scared with him starting kindergarten next year <laughs> ah, i'll be fine who's the best player you've played against or some of no one ever likes to just single out yeah, one person was there someone that one i don't think yeah lauren jackson from australia casual lauren jackson yeah Diana Tarazi, I don't know, Lisa Leslie. There's lots. Sue Bird, I mean, she's a point guard. Yeah, there's lots. What was it about Bird? Do it all? Yeah, she could kind of do it all. She wasn't, I mean, it's hard to say when you're playing against her because obviously she's surrounded by with like amazing players. Right, so she doesn't have to do a lot. Mm -hmm. So when you're guarding her, it's like, you know, she dribbles the ball up the floor, she passes to somebody and they go make a great play. (laughs) But, you know, watching her play you know, she's good. Like she's a good leader. She's, she's humble, which Mm -hmm. I like. Like she's not flashy and arrogant. She's humble and she's, you know, good passer and good shooter and she can kind of do everything. Right. For the listeners out there, that was Teresa saying that she's not afraid of Sue Bird and she feels like she could go at her in her prime. No, no, I know you're not saying that, but that's what I heard. So she could take me now. I haven't picked up a ball in a while. I said in your prime. I said in your prime. Oh, in my prime. Yeah. Yeah, so. in my prime, I wasn't afraid. No. <laughs> Let's go. I love it. I love it. Um, okay, you got a young family. What What is the family's take on ketchup on macaroni? Uh, that's definitely a no-no. I married an Italian. Oh, boy. Yeah, okay. If you put ketchup on any kind of pasta, <laughs> you're being banished. <laughs> you get sent to the garage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, that's definitely a no-go. Happy to hear that. Corbin and myself are we're like a firm hard no, so it's very hard to hear when people are kind of twisted and don't know what's, what's right from wrong. So, yeah. Even when I'll, like I'll make the kids like, you know, craft Annie's. it or I yeah. always buy Annie's. I don't buy yeah. craft dinner all the time. Us too, yeah. And like he's just like looking at me like, you're feeding them that. <laughs> you know, it has to be the authentic. They're giving you the. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Just and his, he's from Ontario, life. and his yeah. mom is coming out in a month, and we're buying a new big freezer for her to fill with pasta sauce. Yes, there you go. And like lasagna and meatballs, and yeah, mm-hmm. we're excited. Perfect, awesome that she gets to come out too, and that's what I mean. That's just that I thing's know. opening up, and those yeah. are, those are good feelings, and and knowing that it's getting better. Dead or alive, any artist doesn't matter. I don't know. Some people are like. I'm not really a music person, but have you been to a concert or is there a concert that you'd like to go to? Best seat in the house? I'm a country girl. I like okay. my country music. I mean, you are. Does it come with the territory of I would love to youth? see Pink. Oh. I would love to see Pink. I just think she's... She probably put on a killer show. Just a cool chick, yeah, and a good yeah. entertainer and, like, super down to earth. Mm-hmm. And I think she'd be cool to see. Nice. I like that. And I saw Elton John and Billy Joel piano to the piano. What? And that was, I would love to see them again. Here? That was awesome. In the city? Yeah, in Vancouver what? in like, when I was in university. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah, that was awesome. I love Hands Billy down Joel. the best concert. Yeah. And that would be my probably first choice to see them again. Fair enough. Who's been some of the most important people in your life? Oh, my I, my family, for sure. Obviously, my coaches, Bruce and Allison and, and Mike, but definitely my family is, is closest to them. And then now, obviously, my husband and my kids. And I would say, you know, becoming a mom, how important, like, a mom is. And for some people, maybe it's their father. But for me, just, you know, the little things that a mom does, like, dinner is always on the table. And, you know, my kids aren't quite at that age yet, but like I remember coming home at nine o'clock after a game. Mom, I need my uniform for like eight o'clock tomorrow morning. Well, who's the one who stays up and washes it? It's mom, right? Mm-hmm. Stays up, make sure your uniform is is clean for the next day, and just all the little things that that now that I'm a mom, maybe as, as you're growing up, you kind of take advantage of, or they go unnoticed. Not that you take advantage of them, I guess, but you just appreciate them more that more that you're grown up. Yeah, well said. And your kids, well, I don't know if they do know, but they've got a point guard mom too. So you're probably two, three steps ahead anyways. You're like, I know they're going to come home with that jersey that needs to be done for tomorrow because they have a game. Yeah. it's two boys, so Ooh. you have to be two or three steps ahead. Like, yep. They're just nonstop. The tornado, yep. <laughs> Where do you get this energy from? <laughs> do you read much? Um, 
I try to, but usually it's at the end of the night. I'm so tired by yeah. the end. I do read though, yeah. Is there a book that stands out to you or has stood out to you or a quote that you've lived by or anything like that? Or is there a book you've read recently that you enjoyed? Michelle Obama's book was the last one I read. Is it good? I'm reading. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. I'm reading President Obama's book right now and I'm just struggling to get through it though. Yeah. It's like too much politics for me. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, by the end of the day, it's like I pick it up and I read a page and I'm like too tired i've set a goal to do one a month and i've i i came out of the gate flying i think i did like five in two months which is like i had five in the last 15 years and i've just hit the wall i'm the same i'm like yeah and it's you know it's been so hot but man look at us making excuses be better let's be better (laughs) so no but when we when we get you on round two with like the round table all-time canadians canadian women's podcast um you can tell me a book that that stood out to you okay Sounds good. All right. Two more questions for you. One I didn't I didn't prompt you on, so I just want to see what you have to say. But if you could do it all again, you would what? Stretch a little more. <laughs> I think. You're not even kidding, actually. <laughs> yeah. I'm not kidding. Yeah. I'm like, you reach, I think it's like once you hit, like, I think I was K at 40. Once I hit 41, I'm just, yeah, stretch a little more. Your body just kind of starts to shut down. Yeah, see, like, I like throwing weights around and stuff. Cardio is not my thing these days, but I have implemented yoga and it's made a world. Oh my God. That's something that I'm like interested in doing. And then like COVID hit and I'm like, I'm not going into a yoga studio right now. Um, I'll text you. I just do it off YouTube. I'll text you. It's a married couple. They're amazing. And and you'd like it because some of them, it's like yoga for athletes as well. So it's like very challenging. So it's not just, yeah, I'll I'll send it to you. But I also feel like. If I'm going to go to yoga and they're going to look at me like you're an Olympic athlete, like, what are you doing right now? <laughs> you should be better at this. Come on. It's like they have this expectation, right? You've been under enough spotlights. You don't need to worry about everyone in the yoga room thinks about you, you know? Fair I'm enough. Sure. Yeah. Um, last question before we let you go. I'm just curious. What would you like to see that helps progress women in sport? not just basketball, but going forward, what can we do to be better um, as a country or just in general? And I, you know, and I think the sense that I get from the women that I know in sport or that are retired say, yeah, you know, they, like I always go, well, you know, it's, it's better. And it's like, yeah, but dot, dot, dot. And I'm like, okay. And I need to be more aware too. So for people that maybe aren't aware of what the experience is like, or what, what do you think for your, from your standpoint, you'd like to see that could be better? I think it's these kind of things like hearing women's stories and hearing, letting them speak and hearing their voice and, and the things that they've gone through and, you know, look how much coverage the men's team got when they were in Victoria and how much hype there was about it. And by the way, the women's team already qualified for the Olympics, right? They're going. Mm-hmm. and do you hear a lot about them? Like, it's starting to get better. Now, I'm not going to say it's not. It's getting better. Yep. And just like the Kim Smith story, like, supporting women in sport, and, you know, especially when you reach that age where, you know, maybe you're having children like Kim did, and you want to continue playing. Like, your body is changing when you have a child. Like, it's very difficult to come back after you've given birth, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think just hearing women's stories and... And supporting them. Love it. Well said. And I like it. It puts pressure on us too. And um, it's important for us because the whole idea of this show is not, it's not the resumes. It's not where people have played. It's more your story and for people to share their story and how basketball shaped them because it did shape all of us. And like I said to you, the women have been great interviews in a lot of ways. Yeah. (laughs) Much easier too. So we do appreciate your time. Before we let you go, any kind of last reflections or thoughts or anything or did you miss someone no i don't think so i just like to say thanks i think thanks for having me obviously mm-hmm, of course. um and um listening to my story and also just thanks to everybody who's been part of my journey um the coaches the family the physios the support staffs everybody's that that's been part of the ride all throughout uh the physio and support staff sometimes those are big ones they're like the they're like the I front office more staff time in physio yeah they're like more the front office staff and janitors at schools, yeah. right? Like they're in they some are. ways the most important, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe it'd be more flexible if you went to physio more. Well, I spent a lot of bugger. time in physio. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, 
Well, thank you. massages and... Thank you for doing this. Thanks for being willing to sit down with us. I know, you know, you're juggling family and all that stuff, but we do wish that and hope that you get some sort of vacation time to relax. Hopefully, uh, mother-in-law can keep an eye on the kids and you can go out for a glass of wine with your hubby and reconnect (laughs) or whatever it is you need to do. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. And I'm glad that we were able to connect. It's good to see your face again and and see you happy and healthy. And and we wish you nothing but success going forward and, and all the best to you and yours. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. No worries. Episode 64. Shout out to our sponsors, Parkside Brewery and Good Lad Clothing. Don't forget to like and subscribe. See you on the next episode.